Amen. Well, please take your Bibles and turn with me at this time to the Gospel of Matthew. We're in Matthew chapter 22 this morning in verses 23 through 33. Uh, we're in the middle of a message series. Our series is called Jesus in Jerusalem. We are looking at the final week of Jesus' life in Jerusalem before he went to the cross. And we've seen throughout, throughout this series, throughout this whole section of Scripture, that there is a growing conflict between Jesus and the religious leaders. And that conflict is only intensifying now uh, in this, in this uh, section we're in now is these religious leaders come up to Jesus and they take turns asking Jesus these various questions, really just trying to trap Jesus in his words. Uh, last week, the question was about God and Caesar. Uh, this week, the question is about marriage and resurrection. So we're in Matthew 22. We're going to be looking at verses 23 through 33. Uh, but to get us started, I'm just going to read verses 29 through 32. Will you please stand with me for the reading of God's word? Matthew 22, beginning at verse 29. Jesus replied, You are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. At the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. But about the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what God said to you? I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. This is the word of God. Let us pray. Well, dear Lord, as we look into your word now, speak to our hearts. Help us to be open to Holy Spirit to what you would say to us today, what we need to hear from your word to help us, to encourage us, to challenge us, to strengthen us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. Marriage is an important theme in the Bible. If you think about it, the, uh, the, the Bible begins with a marriage in the book of Genesis. And then the Bible ends with the marriage in the book of Revelation. Uh, earlier in the chapter we're in now, Matthew 22, Jesus told the parable uh, about the wedding banquet. He's going to tell another parable about a bridegroom uh, later on in Matthew 25 when we get there. Marriage is an important theme throughout the whole Bible. Now, resurrection is another important theme in the Bible. People have so many questions. What, what happens when you die? What happens when your loved ones die? Is this life all there is, or is there life after death? And if there is life after that death, what must you do to obtain it? And the Bible answers all of those questions and more. But resurrection, that is another important theme in the Bible. And it's interesting, in our passage today, the Sadducees, that's one of the groups of religious leaders, the Sadducees bring together both of these themes in one question. Just as last week we saw that Jesus clarified the relationship between God and government, that's what we looked at last week, in today's passage Jesus clarifies for us the relationship between marriage and resurrection. Uh, there is an outline in your worship guide. I would encourage you to take that out if you'd like to follow along, maybe jot down some notes as we go along. But uh, it all begins when the Sadducees approach Jesus. Let's look at verse 23 with me now as we get started. That same day, okay, same day as the Pharisees were just there, that same day the Sadducees 
who say there is no resurrection came to him with a question. So last week it was the Pharisees who questioned Jesus. This week it's the Sadducees, and it's like the religious leaders are playing tag team, right? Tag team wrestling with Jesus. First we saw them approach him directly in the temple. Then the Pharisees sent in their team. They withdrew. Now the Sadducees come up. Next week it's going to be the Pharisees again. And there's no rest for Jesus in this game, right? But his opponents just keep changing back and forth. Now the Pharisees and the Sadducees are are usually mentioned together in Scripture, but this is the first time that the Sadducees are mentioned all by themselves. And there are a number of significant differences between the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were both religious leaders, but they had their differences between each other. And the first one is mentioned right here in our passage, is that the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. The Pharisees did, but the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. When I was a teenager, uh, one of the ways I was taught to remember the difference uh, between the Pharisees and the Sadducees uh, was this. They said, you can always remember it this way. They said the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection. And so they were sad, you see. <laughs> but you know what? That sticks with me. I've been to seminary, and that's still how I remember the difference, Pharisees and Sadducees. The Sadducees did not believe in any life after death, not even a spiritual existence. The historian Josephus writes, the Sadducees hold that the soul perishes along with the body. Well, that's depressing. No wonder they were sad, you see, right? They didn't believe in life after death. Then the book of Acts shares some other differences as well. We read in Acts 23, 8, it says the Sadducees say there, there is no resurrection. We've looked at that one. And that there are neither angels nor spirits. So basically, the Sadducees did not believe in the supernatural. I I don't get that. How do you believe in God, but not believe in the supernatural, right? They didn't believe in the supernatural. They didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in angels. They didn't believe in spirits. Another big difference is they did not believe in the whole Old Testament. They didn't believe in the whole Old Testament. They only held that the first five books in the Bible were authoritative. Uh, They called these the five books of Moses. It's what we call the Pentateuch today. And the rest of the Old Testament, they viewed that more as a commentary, uh, but they only accepted Moses' words. It's what Moses says, right? They accepted Moses' words in the Pentateuch. That's all they accepted as the very word of God. Now, you know, we read 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is God-breathed. It is useful for teaching, rebuking, and correcting in righteousness. The Sadducees practiced what we might call a Bible-within-the-Bible approach. They didn't believe the whole thing. They had their own little section that they were going to hold to. So the Sadducees approached Jesus with a question, and it is what we would call a bad faith question. It's a bad faith question because their question is about the resurrection And what do we just learn? They don't even believe the resurrection. They don't even believe what they're asking about. It's a bad faith question. We read in Proverbs chapter 6, there are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. He lists them, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, 
a false witness who pours out lies, and a man who stirs up dissension among his brothers. Notice that three out of the seven things that God hates in this passage, they all have to do with lying or deception. Lying, scheming, deception. And that's the problem with bad faith questions. The person who asks the question is not sincere. They don't really want an answer. They're just trying to stir up trouble. And the bad faith questioner wastes everybody's time, including their own. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 says this, Therefore rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. So the Sadducees, they approach Jesus, they've got a question, but they are not sincere. It is a bad faith question. So now we come to the question itself. It's a question about marriage and the resurrection, and I've got to tell you, it is one of the most complicated, convoluted questions you will ever see. They come up with the most ridiculous scenario that they can imagine in order to make this whole idea of the resurrection seem completely absurd. Track with me now. Look at verses 24 through 28. Teacher, they said, Moses told us that if a man dies without having children, his brother must marry the widow and have children for him. Now, there were seven brothers among us. The first one married and died, and since he had no children, he left his wife to his brother. The same thing happened to the second and third brother, right on down to the seventh. Finally, the woman died. Now then, at the resurrection, whose wife will she be of the seven, since all of them were married to her? I, I like to think that this was one of the Sadducees' favorite questions, right? I think this is one that they brought out a lot when they're having debates with the Pharisees. And they pulled out this question because nobody could ever answer it, you know? You know, it's like, you know, well, who's she going to be married to in the resurrection? She can't be married to all of them, Right? Let's break this question down now into three parts. We've got the setting, the scenario, and then the setup, okay? The setting. The setting for their question is the Old Testament law. The Old Testament law about brothers and widows. And we read about this law in the book of Deuteronomy. Oh, Deuteronomy, one of their favorite books, right? Deuteronomy chapter 25. If brothers are living together and one of them dies without a son... His widow must not marry outside the family. Her husband's brother shall take her and marry her and fulfill the duty of a brother-in-law to her. The first son she bears shall carry on the name of the dead brother so that his name will not be blotted out from Israel. See, the Old Testament was concerned uh, about family lines in Israel and, and the continuation of family lines. And think about it, if a man died before having any sons, who's going to carry on the family name, right? Who's going to carry on the family line? And so the law made provision for the dead man's brother to marry his wife. First son she bears would carry on his brother's name, and the line would continue. Once again, where is this law found? Deuteronomy, five books of Moses. This is, this is the Sadducees' territory. This is where they camp out in Scripture. So that's the setting for the question. Then we come to the scenario. Once again, the scenario is this whole long, convoluted story about seven brothers and one wife. It is completely hypothetical. 
It is so far-fetched. It is so extreme. This, this could never happen in real life for all of those things to happen, right? And if the Sadducees were sincere, okay, if they really wanted to know how does marriage work in the resurrection, they could have just asked a real simple question. They could have said, well, what about the woman who's Husband dies and she remarries. Whose husband will she be at the resurrection, right? They could have just asked that. That's an everyday example. That happens all the time. But they're not looking for any real answers. It's a bad faith question. They're stirring up trouble. They're just trying to make the whole idea of resurrection look absurd. So you've got the setting. You've got the scenario. Finally, they ask the setup, the setup question. Now then, at the resurrection, whose wife will she be? Since all seven were married to her. You've got to remember, once again, they don't even believe in the resurrection. And they're asking this question. You can almost hear them put the word resurrection in like those little quote marks when people speak sometimes when they ask the question. They set up the scenario. I can just hear them saying it this way. Now then, Jesus, at the resurrection, whose wife will she be? Right? You know, there's just the disdain in their voice for the resurrection. They think they're so smart. Just like the Pharisees last week, they thought, we've got Jesus on this question about Caesar and taxes. And the Sadducees now think, we've got Jesus with this question. Nobody's ever answered this one. She can't be married to them all, right? That's, that's not allowed. So who's, whose wife is she, Jesus? Brother number one, brother number seven, somebody in between. Once again, it's a ridiculous scenario, and they think that they've just proven the absurdity of the resurrection. But, you know, last week we saw Jesus got the better of the Pharisees, and now he's about to get the better of the Sadducees. First off, he tells them that they are in error. They are in error. Look at verses 29 and 30. Jesus replied, you are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. At the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. So Jesus tells them that they're in error for two reasons. Reason number one, they don't know the scriptures or God's power. Here they are. They are the religious leaders of Israel. And they don't even know the scriptures. And even though the teaching about the resurrection, even though it's not as prominent in the Old Testament as it is in the New, in the New Testament, it's everywhere, right? You've got to kind of look for it in the Old Testament. But when you go to those verses in the Old Testament, it's there. It's very clear about the resurrection. Let me share a few examples with you. We read from Job 19 earlier. Uh, let me read a few of those words again, too, from Job 19. I know that my Redeemer lives, and that in the end he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh, I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes. I am not another. How my heart yearns within me. A powerful statement of resurrection. Or we read in Psalm 16, verse 10. You will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One See, decay. When we get to the New Testament, we find that this is actually a prophecy about Jesus, about Jesus' resurrection, but it's still a teaching about resurrection, that resurrection exists. Another great example is in the book of Isaiah, chapter 26, verse 19. But your dead will live. Their bodies will rise. You who dwell in the dust, wake up and shout for joy. Your dew is like the dew of the morning, the earth will give birth to her dead. 
And then you go to the book of Daniel, has probably the clearest teaching about a general resurrection. And in the whole Old Testament, Daniel 12, 2 says, multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Now, Jesus could have brought all these scriptures out to the Sadducees, but what are the Sadducees going to say? They're going to say, none of those are in the Pentateuch, right? Did you notice that? None of those are in the first five books of the Bible. None of them came from the words of Moses. You see, that's the Sadducees' problem, not Jesus' problem. Jesus says, you don't know the scriptures. Why? Because you have limited the authority of the scriptures to just Moses and the Pentateuch. They didn't know that all scripture is equally inspired by God and profitable for teaching and correction. And they certainly didn't know the power of God, who obviously has the power to raise the dead. And so Jesus tells the Sadducees they're in error. First of all, why? Because they don't know the scriptures or God's power. And then the second reason they're in error, Jesus says, is because there is no marriage in heaven. There is no marriage in heaven. In other words, they're not even asking the right question. Their question itself is an error. They are asking about something that does not exist. It's not the resurrection that doesn't exist, but marriage in heaven that does not exist. The Bible teaches us that marriage is for this life only, not for the next. For example, we read in the book of Romans, chapter 7, verse 2, by law. A married woman is bound to her husband as long as he is alive. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. Or again in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. A woman is bound to her husband as long as he lives. But if her husband dies, she is free to marry anyone she wishes, but he must belong to the Lord. In my judgment, Paul writes, she's happier if she stays as she is. And I think that I too have the Spirit of God. Jesus tells the Sadducees, he says, your question's all wrong. At the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. And notice how Jesus brings up angels here. What's one of the things the Sadducees don't believe in? Angels. Jesus, he's just hammering the point home here now, isn't he? Notice what Jesus does not say here. A lot of people misunderstand this. Jesus does not say that we become angels when we die. Is that what it says? It doesn't say that, does it? Big misconception. A lot of people think that when you die, you become an angel. No, that doesn't happen. Uh, human beings never become angels. Angels never become human beings. We are two different types of created beings. When you, go, when you die and you go to heaven, you're still going to be human. You'll always be a human being. That's what God created you to be. So we don't become angels when we die. But Jesus says we will be like the angels when we die, at least in one way. He only mentions one way. There may be others. But in this one way, at least, we will be like the angels. Angels don't marry. And in the resurrection, neither will we. Warren Wearsby explains it this way. He says, there will be no need for marriage in the next life because there will be no death. And therefore, it will not be necessary to bear children to replace those who die. Now, this teaching about marriage as a temporary uh, relationship for this life, that bothers us sometimes when we're married, doesn't it? You know, I, I love my wife, Rosie, and I wish we could be married forever. But it doesn't work that way. Marriage is a temporary relationship meant for this life only. Now, 
doesn't mean that we won't remember each other in heaven. I believe spouses will know and remember each other, will know that we were married here on earth. And it's not that we won't love each other in heaven. In fact, we will love each other more in heaven than we did here on earth. You see, love is broadened in heaven, not narrowed. We will love everybody in heaven more than we loved anybody here on earth. But it's not going to be that exclusive love between a husband and a wife in marriage. It'll be more like the love, perhaps, that a parent has for each of their children, a love that extends equally to all. Now, when we say there's no marriage in heaven, we're talking about humans marrying each other. We know there is one marriage in heaven, right? There is one marriage, because the Bible tells us that the church is the bride of Christ. In fact, that's the, the meaning of marriage here on earth anyways. It's a picture of the exclusive love relationship between God and his people, between Jesus and the church. So that's the first thing Jesus does. He tells the Sadducees, you're in error, and he tells them why. Then he goes on and he exposes their true motives. He exposes their motives. Look at verses 31 and 32. But about the resurrection of the dead, Jesus continues. Have you not read what God said to you? I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And so what Jesus does here is he dismisses the marriage question completely. And he says, but about the resurrection of the dead. You see, Jesus knows that their question wasn't really about marriage at all. They didn't care about that. Their real question was about the resurrection. It was about denying the resurrection. So now Jesus turns around and he asks them a question. He says, but about the resurrection of the dead. He knows that's their issue. Have you not read what God said to you? I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac the God of Jacob. Those words, you may or may not recognize them, those words are the very words that God spoke to Moses. Remember, Moses is their man, right? Spoke to Moses from the burning bush in the desert. And where do we find the story of the burning bush in the Bible? Book of Exodus. Where do you find the book of Exodus in the Bible? In the five books of Moses. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. This is their part of the Bible. This is the part that they say they believe. This is emphasized even more in the Gospel of Luke, where we read the story in Luke. Jesus mentions Moses by name, Luke 20, 37. He says, but in the account of the bush, even Moses, your guy Moses, Sadducees, even Moses showed that the dead rise. For he calls the Lord the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And so even though all scripture is inspired by God, Jesus could have gone to any of those verses we looked at earlier. He goes right to the Sadducees' favorite part of the Bible and says, hey, even here, guys, even here. It was here all along. And then you notice how Jesus draws really a very startling conclusion from these words of God to Moses. Jesus says in verse 32, therefore God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. It's a, it's a very subtle argument, but it's a good one. 
Because notice what God told Moses. God said, I am. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Notice God says, I am, not I was. In other words, he is their God right now. He was not just their God sometime in the past. He is their, also their God in the present. And if he is their God right now in the present, they must be living right now, not dead. I'll give you an example from sports. It's like the coach of a sports team. If you coached a team in the past, and that team no longer exists, okay? Let's, let's take the Oakland Raiders for an example. I know they're the Las Vegas Raiders now. The Oakland Raiders as a team. The Oakland Raiders doesn't exist anymore. So if you coach the Oakland Raiders, you wouldn't, and someone came up to you, so who are you? What do you do? You wouldn't say, I am the coach of the Oakland Raiders. Wouldn't make sense, right? Because they don't exist. You'd say, well, I was the coach of the Oakland Raiders. I was the coach of the Oakland Raiders. It's the same way with, with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. If they didn't exist anymore, you know, God wouldn't have said, I am the God. He said, well, I was their God. I was their God back in those days when, when they were alive. But God says, I am. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And therefore, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob must be alive. God is not the God of the dead but of the living. Jesus expanded this force in the New Testament, John 11, 25, and 26. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And then he asked, do you believe this? In other words, when you die believing in Jesus Christ, you don't really die. You continue living in God's presence in heaven. It is a spiritual existence. You are temporarily separated from your body, but you are still alive. And then when Christ returns, your body will be resurrected. We read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. The Sadducees approached Jesus with a bad faith question. They thought their question was unanswerable. They thought, we're going to just prove that the resurrection is absurd. But Jesus demolished their case. First of all, by showing them their error, and then by pointing them back to their own favorite part of Scripture as found in the Pentateuch, the books of Moses. And then we read in verse 23, when the crowds heard this, they were astonished at his teaching. You know, you'd think that the Pharisees and the Sadducees might just give it a break now. They might, they might give up on their questions. They've already gone round one and two with Jesus. They've lost both times. But apparently they're gluttons for punishment because we're going to be right back here next week looking at the next one and it's going to be the Pharisees back for round three next week. Today's passage contains such a wonderful truth for believers in Jesus Christ. God is not the God of people who are dead and gone. He is the God of the living. 
And that means our loved ones who die in Christ are alive and well in God's presence even now. It means when you die in Christ that you will go directly to be with the Lord. And when Jesus returns, the dead in Christ will rise first. Those of us who are still alive, we will all be joined together and we will be with God and each other for all of eternity. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And so my challenge to you this morning is to examine yourself today. Are you trusting in Jesus Christ for your salvation? The Bible says that we are all born dead in our transgressions and sins. We are only made alive in Christ. And so that means if your faith is not in Christ this morning, you are still spiritually dead in your sins. And if you are still dead in your sins, that means God is not your God. Why? Because God is not the God of the dead, but the living. But when you put your faith in Christ, you pass from death into life, and now God becomes your God. He is the God of the living. Will you put your faith in Jesus Christ today. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this passage of Scripture that is recorded for our benefit. Lord, uh, we don't see any evidence that the Sadducees opened their hearts to your teaching that day. And so, Lord, I pray that we would open our hearts to you that we would believe on you, Lord Jesus, that you are the Son of God, that you are the Messiah, that you died on the cross to pay the price for our sins so that we could be forgiven, so that we could become alive, so that we could have new life. And so, God, you could become our God. Thank you, Lord, that you are God of the living. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.